The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey, folks, and welcome to Typology, the show in which we explore the mystery of the human personality through the lens of the Enneagram. I'm Anthony Skinner, producer of the show, and we are happy to have you here. Hey, you're going to love today's guest. He is the author of 17 books, including the ECPA award-winning book, Whisper, the USA Today bestseller, Chase the Lion, and the New York Times bestseller, The Circle Maker. He is the founder and lead pastor of National Community Church, one church with seven campuses throughout Washington, D.C., known as one of the most innovative and influential churches in America, and also owns and operates Ebenezer's Coffee House, the Miracle Theater, and the D.C. Dream Center. We're talking about Mark Batterson. We have a great time with Mark today, so you're really going to enjoy this interview. Hey, that's it for me, Anthony Skinner. We're going to get on to the interview. And now, here's our host... Ian Crom. Mark Batterson, welcome to Typology. Hey, thanks, Ian. So fun to be with you. Can you believe it? We're face to face, man. It's unreal. Gosh, <laughs> I feel like you're my long lost brother that I've only spoken to for <laughs> through through like from a long distance away, man. <laughs> well, this has been uh, a long time coming. Yes, indeed. Now. Uh, Tell me about your Enneagram journey. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I were on a plane, which I, I believe is the best place to read a book at 30,000 feet. Yeah. It's crazy. You, th- you, you think different thoughts. Wow. And so literally we're on a cross-country flight, and Laura, my wife, is reading The Road Back to You, and she leans over and says, if you want to crawl into my head and understand me, read this. Wow. Whoa. <laughs> and uh, I read it, and a lot of things clicked into place. And so we both uh, devoured that particular book and then uh, have really been on a journey ever since and felt like the... Enneagram has been a, a huge piece of our puzzle as uh, marriage and uh, even professionally, uh, so much self-understanding has come from it. So uh, hey, I, at this juncture, I might as well say thanks. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, mutual admiration society in the moment, and I, I, uh, I'm you know, grateful that, that y'all have, have read it, and I didn't know that, and so I'm, I'm really gratified because I've I've long had a uh, an admiration for you and, and for your work, so that's fantastic. Mm. I, I want to know maybe just a little bit more in a grant in a granular sense, like okay, so it's been a part of your journey. How, like in your marriage and in your your ministry, like what what effect has the enneagram had on you and in, in your marriage and at church? Yeah, you know, I might even talk on the spectrum from mundane all the way to momentous, Ian. On on a mundane level, the, there's that little part about 
my wife is a type one perfectionist mm -hmm. and I didn't really understand, you know, I don't care how the dishes go in the dishwasher as long as they get clean. Yep. And uh, I, I didn't fully understand why they might need to be redesigned or re <laughs> <laughs> Redesigned. Uh, <that's> great. <laughs> but uh, I think, you know, point. it helped me understand even in mundane things. Mm. Um, and, and then Laura knows that I'm a type three performer. And so, you know, Ian, the challenge for me, uh, wow, this is getting kind of uh, pre pretty vulnerable right out of the gate. I, I don't have an off switch, you know? I, I mean, it's really hard for me to turn off the performer piece, um, both as a pastor who's kind of in a public eye, but you know, even as an author that is often interacting with readers, um, I really struggle to find that off switch. Uh, and so, uh, and then even on a grand scale, I think how we relate to each other, but maybe even just as significantly how we relate to God. You know, my tendency is to try to perform, and there's a real downside to that, especially as it relates to things like grace. <laughs> yeah. That's a huge insight, isn't it? Uh, because, you know, grace is difficult for any of us to swallow, right? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's really, uh, it's a bewildering, um, not very intuitive idea, you know, and but I would imagine for threes and ones and, and other types, like grace is so hard to really allow in, right? It is. And, you know, by, by definition, uh, grace cannot be deserved. And for a performer, that is really hard to swallow. Mm. Um, so, and then, you know, we have to be really careful that... Um, if I if I worship based on how I feel like I'm doing, how I'm performing, then isn't that really a a in a sense self worship? And so there are very kind of um, layers of motivation and things that uh, I think can be uh, really difficult to navigate. Because um, at the end of the day. Uh, you know, it's about doing what we do in view of God's mercies and uh, in light of God's grace. And so, uh, you know, I, I think those are tough lessons that I've had to learn as someone who is wired to perform. Mm. So I was uh, reading uh, Richard Rohr earlier uh, today, and uh, one of the things, because I was just getting ready for our, our interview, and I'm always trying to learn more and more and more about different types, and there's so much to know, you can't remember it even after you've read it half the time. And, and you know what he says in one of his very sort of uh, older books uh, is there, like the, the Bible verse for threes, right, from his perspective is, is John 15, 5, right? I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Mm. And, and, and so that apart from me idea for threes is, is pretty powerful, right? Like, because I think threes, when they're on autopilot, think, you know, I can, I can do all of this apart yes. from anybody, including God. Yes. 
and we have a very difficult time saying no. Yeah. So then what happens is we, we try to do everything and kind of be all things to all people. And yeah. we, we get uh, stretched so thin that if you try to be all things to all people, mm. eventually you're going to be nothing to nobody. <laughs> because wow. there's just not enough to to go around and uh so there there is uh there's certainly that that underside i mean to uh, of course the positive ian is wow we do know how to get things done though don't we <laughs> oh and 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 you know that's a that that's an asset it's a gift but as you know w- the moment you begin to over rely on a gift it mm. inevitably becomes a liability yeah uh, it becomes a distortion of itself. Uh, the blessing, and we're going to get to that in a moment because that's what your, your book is about, but the blessing becomes a blight yes. uh, when, when we rely on, on it too, too heavily. All right, so you've written uh, a lot about uh, challenges and, and brokenness. I know that, that you've encountered in, in your life. So tell me, would you be willing to tell me, uh, and thinking perhaps through the lens of the Enneagram if possible, like what if some of those, what's some of that brokenness and some, what are, What's that about? Mm, yeah. Well, uh, you know, I think my first attempt uh, at church planting, and we've had the joy of pastoring a church in Washington, D.C. for 23 years now. God's blessed it. Uh, one church, seven campuses, and in some ways has done things that probably are beyond what we would have asked or imagined. But, Ian, our, our first attempt at it was a, a fail. Uh, we fell flat on our faces, and it was terrible at the time. You know, it's a little bit worse for a for a type three to fail at something, and you know, it was it was challenging, it was embarrassing, but I think it was the best thing that ever happened to me because I think the cure for the fear of failure is not success; it's failure in small enough doses that you build up an immunity to it. Ooh, that's good. That's good. You know, God gave me the gift of learning very early on what I'm capable of, and it's not much. Um, I I often say that without the help of the Holy Spirit, I'm below average. (laughs) And uh, I I really, I genuinely mean that. I mean, I'm not naturally gifted as a writer. um, And there there are certain things that I I think I've had to probably work a little bit harder than the average person. but it's it's those weaknesses, it's the failures, it's even some of the the brokenness that then I think has set the stage and really um, perhaps allowed God to do some things that uh, maybe uh, I would have let it go to my head or kind of infect my ego more than it should have. Hmm. Wow, that's really helpful. So let me just have an ins- sort of a uh, uh, here's a thought I've had for a long time about threes. Something I've noticed about threes. Um, the, the personality structure of threes is really very often rooted in the emotion of sadness or grief. Mm. And, and I, I've had this happen multiple times when I, and, and, you know, I'm a four, I'm pretty attuned to the emotional space where, uh, when I've been with threes, they have men in particular, uh, in their eyes, what I, they have this lost boy look. They, 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 or uh, it's a certain sadness that you can see in their eyes, even when they're smiling, even when they're having, but sometimes threes have looked at me and what I see 
is a, a really profound sadness. And I don't think I'm projecting that, you know, uh, into it. It's like there's this kind of lost boy look. And you've, you've talked about uh, some of the encounters and challenges. And, and I'm just wondering uh, if, if that's a, a feature, if grief and sadness have played a real role in your life. You know, it, it certainly has been a, a piece of my puzzle. And I, I might say that uh, I, I think I have retained a pretty healthy measure of uh, my inner child. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, we, we have uh, three children, but sometimes I think my wife has four, Ian. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. With one. Um, but, you know, I think a, a real defining moment for me was um, – we, we lost my father-in-law. He passed at uh, the age of 55, and it just was one of those shocking, not expected, um, tremendous grief. And uh, he was a model and uh, a mentor in ministry for me. And I was two years into pastoring and just I was floundering after that. Um, but I think we walk through that in a way that Honestly, it's it's actually a little piece of what I talk about in Double Blessing that I ask God for a, a double portion of his anointing, which is kind of a, a throwback for those who might not know uh, the Old Testament scriptures of Elisha asking for a double portion of Elijah's anointing, so to speak. And, you know, I kind of asked for that same thing. And so, you know, we we still grieve. I still have tears um, 20 years later. But I think that grief, in a sense, it, it plows the soil, it turns the soil of our hearts over. And I think it's helped me uh, empathize and perhaps even pastor people through uh, those difficulties and challenges that they face. It's very difficult to help someone where you have not been hurt. Um, and uh, And so, I'm sure I have my fair share of uh, of grief and sadness, and then you know part of what I do is walk people through those kinds of seasons. And so, uh, you know, I think I think that's a that's a reality, um, certainly for for me, and in particular as a three. Mm. You want to do some therapy? <laughs> well. Hey, if we're if we're keeping it real, uh, <laughs> let's, keep it, I, uh, let's keep it real I, for a second. I, I've had some uh, checkups this year. Let's just put it that way. And uh, I, I do, Ian. I don't trust leaders who don't walk with a limp. Right. Uh, in other words, um, I, I think there's a wear and tear in their bumps and bruises, and if you don't reveal those things, I, I think you're faking it. And honestly, people don't identify. And as a three, sometimes I want to share the success stories, not the failure stories. People don't identify with that. And so what I've had to learn to do is really be real about some of those challenges and struggles. And, you know, very interesting. I, I actually said to our congregation that I'm, I'm getting some counseling right now because it's been a wear and tear season. We've been in a building project and probably taken on more than I should have. You know what's funny? 
of all the things that I've preached over the last year, I've had more people come up to me about that one little comment and say, thank you, because it gives me permission mm. uh, to seek out some help. And, and, and for the record, I don't know anybody who doesn't need some counseling for something. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. It's people like you that keep me at work. <laughs> you know, um, just just by way of just helping people with a, uh, an insight about this, and, and it's that typically in this feeling uh, triad, the heart triad, two, three, and four, twos tend to be in conflict with grief and sadness. So I think all three numbers have issues around grief, sadness, and shame. Right. Yeah. And so twos tend to be in conflict with sadness and grief. Fours tend to overdo and become overattached to grief, whereas uh, threes underdo uh, grief. And they they'll part of the strategy there is to numb out feelings so they don't get out. They don't get in the way of working to reach their goals. Mm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what I meant when I said sometimes I see this. Maybe what I should have said is I see this unattended sorrow in the eyes of threes. I well, when you when you put it that way, it hits a little bit closer to home mm. because, um, and, and part of it may be that I have a positivity strength. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know, I'm like I'm like the little kid, right? The famous little kid who uh, for his birthday you know, walked in and had got a pile of manure and uh, said, with this much manure, there must be a pony somewhere. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm that kid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, yeah. And so sometimes, uh, you know, our staff has even joked that, uh, you know, I've had tough conversation with staff or even staff that we've had to let go. And they walk out feeling better about themselves than when they walked in. Because I do, it's harder for me to identify with some of the sadness, with some of the grief, and really own it and wrestle with it. And uh, and then what I think threes tend to do is keep ourselves busy enough that we really don't have time to do some of that deep soul work. Mm. Well, I mean, it, it's not an indictment of you. It, it's just part of the journey that I think uh, for twos, threes, and fours, which is you know, how do I relate rightly to the sadness and grief that tends to run like it's almost in the water table underneath the surface of our of our yeah. lives. And and I think for threes, what they have to be careful of is not spinning the source of grief or failure into the future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Something that makes them look like a success. Yes. 
Yep, we uh, we're we're pretty good at spinning it, aren't we, Ian? Yeah. <laughs> and and you know, this comes from a guy that's uh, that lives on Capitol Hill in Washington D.C. And so add that to the mix. And, you know, would it be fair to say, Ian, that that maybe for a three and kind of the who you're describing, I think the challenge is becoming more well-rounded emotionally. You know, we tend to be pretty good on the positive emotion side of the equation, but not as adept. And we don't spend as much time uh, on the you know, what could be considered more of the negative or more difficult emotion side. And, uh, and so, uh, no doubt, um, that, uh, that's something that, uh, is a growth area and has been for me for a long time. So here's a, just one, uh, maybe a growth path, uh, thing for threes. One, one would simply be practice saying how you feel out loud. And even if you're like, I don't know what I'm feeling, just say, I don't know what I'm feeling, but I think it's maybe this, you know, uh, because threes just tend to have trouble identifying or naming or recognizing feelings. This is a, another thing that I've told threes any number of times. And it was, it was, uh, came from my friend, Mike Hyatt, who is a quintessential three. He actually has a feeling wheel on his desktop. And mm. it's so it's like, here are the principal feelings. And then there's like 60 or 70 other names of feelings around it so that he can go, okay, all right, what I'm feeling is a shade of that. I think it's, you know, and it may be, I'm feeling wistful. And he's like, I don't think I've ever been able to call that wistful in my whole life, you know, <laughs> but now he's got a name. Yeah. Yes. That. I, I love that. You know, I, you may, I think you would appreciate this, Ian. A few years ago, I was, uh, speaking to some pastors in England and uh, ironically spoke right after the Archbishop of Canterbury. That's a first. Um, yeah, my boss. That's a tough act to follow. But uh, he said something I'll never forget. He said, uh, emotional intelligence is a wonderful adjunct faculty to the gifts of the Spirit. Mm. And I think there are a lot of church context, spiritual context, where certain gifts might be functioning, but they aren't really accompanied by the emotional intelligence. And sort of where I'm going with this is just sort of reflecting on what you're saying. I have a really acute uh, EQ. I'm good at reading other people. Yes. But I wonder if threes are not as good at reading themselves and even kind of enunciating or identifying some of what we're feeling. We're a little bit better at reading the crowd. Yes, absolutely. In a sense, there's a, there's a little bit of that um, entertainer in us that knows how to kind of play to the crowd, so to speak. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree 100%. I think though that three sometimes are really are have have long been so good at reading the crowd and what the crowd wants and the feelings of the crowd that they're out of touch with mm. what their desires and feelings are mm-hmm. it's like yes. you, you you so part of what has to happen for threes is uh to and so this is like if i were saying this i'd be saying it to a a functioning low functioning three i would say part of the journey for that person is 
to um, move from being as concerned with seeming to being. So you want to move from seeming to being. Or mm. another way might be to say to move from uh, sort of mm, surface to substance. Yeah. Yep. Surface to yep. substance. And uh, what, a, what a great journey. And by the way, I, have, I know so many threes who've made that journey and have done so, I think, very successfully. And they've, they've become, what they tend to do is look like very healthy sixes. And yeah. it, it's so beautiful when you see it. And, and all the gifts you naturally have just accelerate, you know, in ways that are, are, are amazing. All right. Now I want to talk about your new book. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Double blessing. How to receive it. How to give it. Give me the, uh, give me the elevator story on the book. Yeah. Well, uh, before original sin, there was original blessing. And if we get that sequence wrong, we're in trouble. Uh, listen, blessing is God's most ancient instinct, and, uh, and it is our first memory. And so I think that's hugely significant. And it's not just a subplot. It really is the storyline all the way from Genesis to Revelation. And uh, you've got the priests pronouncing a blessing on the people. You've got... Uh, from the top of Mount Gerizim, wonderful blessings being pronounced. You've got Jacob uh, blessing uh, his sons. And, uh, and then you get all the way to uh, even the, uh, the Last Supper and this, uh, this practice that we call the Lord's Table or Communion. That cup is called the Cup of Blessing. And so this idea of blessing is uh, from beginning to end, and yet I think a lot of us have a hard time believing it. It's easier for us to buy into original sin than original blessing. And when we doubt God's goodness or when we doubt God's blessing, what happens is we begin to relate to him for the wrong reasons, Mm. out of fear instead of love. Um, and, uh, and it really skews that relationship. And, and actually one of the, one of the chapters in the book is, uh, God in the hands of angry people, which is sort of a, a playful poke at Jonathan Edwards. Yes. And, uh, you know, what happens is we, uh, in the beginning, God created us in his image. We create God in our image, you know, ever since, so to speak. And uh, when we do that, we end up with a God who acts and thinks and looks and talks a lot like us. And uh, it ends up being a projection of our imperfections instead of really a true picture of a God uh, who is unbelievably good and unbelievably great. So uh, in a snapshot how do we position ourselves for that blessing? In other words, how do we get it? But then how do we flip the blessing and uh, how do we give it away? Oh, I love that. So, okay, remembering that some of my audience don't self-identify as people of faith, what universal spiritual truth might they get from reading your book that they could apply to their lives? Yeah, you know, pretty simple. I would say the first half of the book is all about gratitude. And uh, 
it's appreciating what you have. And uh, it, you know, really regardless of faith matrix, so to speak, um, I tell you what, you got to count your blessings. Now, in Judaism, they would pronounce 100 blessings a day. That was kind of their quota. Um, but one way or the other, either you, uh, you're frustrated by what you don't have because you're focused on that, or you really learn to appreciate the, the little blessings. Um, listen, we'll take 23,000 breaths today. And to me, that's 23,000 miracles, you know, mm. I mean, un- unbelievable. Our heart will beat 100,000 times, it, you know, five quarts of blood will travel through 60,000 miles of uh, arteries and veins and capillaries. That's That'll circle the earth twice. I mean, th- those are amazing things. You know, Einstein said there are only two ways to live your life. One is as if nothing is a miracle. The other is as if everything is. And so... Ian, the first half of the book is really about growing in gratitude, and uh, and then the second half is about generosity, and I'm sure we can talk a little bit about that. Well, I mean, I mean, these are these are themes that that I think uh, transcend. Certainly, their their uh, their presence in the in the Christian tradition is and is of vital importance. But but again, I think if if you don't identify as a, a, as a Christian or even a person of any faith, these are are universal spiritual principles that y- you just y- you ought to know. And regardless of what the source is, uh, you ought to go and read about them. So I'm just going to commend this book to everybody, regardless of whether they're a person of faith or not. You don't have to buy the whole package, but you go and search a truth wherever it can be found. Uh, in my mind. I think it's fantastic. You know what's interesting to me, Mark? Um, You know uh, who uh, lots of Enneagram teachers will point to as the quintessential three? No. Is Jacob. Oh, no kidding. Of course. Of course. Wow. Yes. So it's so funny to me that a lot of your book, you've got Jacob floating Uh, around in there. Mark, I'm curious to know why you say, of course. Yeah, why are you saying, of course? Well, because the, you know, the, uh, the shadow side, that cardinal sin, so to speak, is the, the deceit uh, or the, the deceiver, so to speak. I mean, mm. that was Jacob's name. And, uh, but for all of Jacob's faults, um, here is a guy who was willing to wrestle all night and would not let go mm. uh, except he be blessed. And so for all of his faults and foibles, he accurately estimated the value of the blessing. <laughs> and uh, so I love that piece. And of course, the blessing was God literally changing his name to Israel, and the man becomes the nation. And uh, what a what a legacy because... Uh, all because of that one wrestling match. Right? Yeah. Man, and each type is called into that match to mm-hmm. yes. to really go into the shadow yeah. where all of that material we don't want to know about ourselves yeah. needs to be uh, worked through. I love what Carl Jung says. It's one of my favorite quotes where he said, that which you most need to know about yourself will be found in the place you least want to look. Mm. Yeah. Wow. 
Uh, isn't that the wrestling? <laughs> yes. So yes. powerful. So powerful. Mark, uh, yeah. what were you going to say? I just saw you jump in. What were you going to say? Well, you know, it's interesting. Right before that encounter, um, he sends his family across the Jabbok River along with all of his possessions. So there's this this moment of nakedness mm-hmm. where it's just Jacob by himself uh, in the middle of nowhere. And it's just kind of him and God. And uh, I think we need moments like that where everything is stripped away. And, you know, there, there might be some pe- people listening, Ian, that, you know, they feel like something's being taken away from them, a, a relationship or uh, even a career or and, and those can be painful. And I, I don't want to, you know, I don't know the specifics, but. I've worked with enough people to know that sometimes it's some of those things that are precious to us being taken away that we really discover who we are in those moments. Mm. And uh, so maybe that's a word of encouragement, someone listening today. Well, I mean, it is. And I think one of the beautiful things, I think, for threes and for every type, of course, but for, for the sake of just, you know, hanging in there a little bit with threes is like uh, in my experience, it takes a crash usually when a three feels like all of the accoutrements of success have been stripped away and all they have, as you were saying, is the core of being. That's all it is. It's just me as a being, not as a doing, in the presence of God mm. wrestling uh, mm. to perhaps discover that my my uh, my goodness, and I do believe in, as you were talking about, as original, there's original goodness in every human being, right? Uh, otherwise, how would we even begin to recognize who God was? I mean, we would have no glimmer. Um, and so I think that that is a, a profound um, sort of insight. And I just love that a three on the Enneagram wrote a book where the Jacob features pretty prominently right <laughs> and, and, and you know i mean that's no mistake i don't i don't think that's a that's a mistake so people listen to me you got to get a you got your hands on double blessing how to receive it how to give it i know it's going to be on amazon or wherever you find great books you can go to markbatterson.com and uh check out everything that uh that mark's doing when you're in washington dc you got to go to national right Yep. National Nash- Community Nash- Church. You got you got seven choices, right? <laughs> yes. Yep. Seven campuses. That's pretty uh pretty amazing, you doer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'll tell you, man, I have loved this conversation. It's been like like sometimes I have conversations with people and I just feel the joy juice running mm. and I have really, mm. really felt that in this time. Yeah. So Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. uh, Well, and Ian, I just have to say kind of on a closing note, I feel like my street cred just went up because (laughs) my my wife and I, you know, we listen to a lot of podcasts, but this one's pretty special. She she loves the Enneagram and is intuitively brilliant when it comes to helping other people in, in this regard. And so um, you know, I'll, I'll do a handful of podcasts or radio interviews, that kind of thing. And she, I don't know that she really cares about any of those, but when she heard that you and I were going to have a conversation, <laughs> 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 my, uh, my, my street cred went up big time. So, uh, fun, 
fun, fun stuff. Give her my very best and tell her I'd love actually to get the two of you on at some point just to yeah. talk about the dynamic of three and one in marriage. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and just even I'd love to I don't get a lot of ones. You know, a lot of times ones are, are hard to, to fives and ones are sometimes hard to get on. Uh, yep. I think ones feel like I'm not going to be good enough. How much can I prepare? I, you know, it's it's kind of yep. a it's kind of a funny thing. But it'd be really fun to get the two mm-hmm. of you on. So I, I hope we can do that in the near future. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. That would be a ton of fun. All right, everybody. Uh, please remember, go out there. You want to get Mark Batterson's new book, Double Blessing: How to Receive It, How to Give It, and remember the great words of the great Oscar Wilde: "Be yourself. Everybody else." is already taken. <laughs>